Hello and welcome to PostgreSQL, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hello, Nikolai. What are we talking about today? Hello, Michael. Uh, the RDS team just released a blog post about blue-green deployments, and I thought it's a good opportunity to discuss this topic in general and maybe RDS implementation particularly, although I haven't used it myself. I've just read the blog post, but I know some issues uh, and problems this topic has. So I thought it's a good moment to discuss those problems. Yeah, awesome. It's a, even if we look at the basics, it's, I think it's interesting to most people. Everyone has to make changes to their database. Everyone needs to deploy those changes. Uh, most people want to do that in as safe a way as possible with as little downtime as possible. So I think it's a good topic in general to revisit and it looks interesting. Right, right. So I think in general, in general, it's a great direction of development of uh, methodologies technologies and ecosystem like various tools and so on because bigger projects not only the biggest projects some smaller projects also needed especially those who change things very often but before we continue i would like to split this topic to two subtopics first is not frequent changes we do when we for example upgrade perform major upgrade of Postgres or we switch to new operational system if we, if we have self-managed Postgres uh, with uh, glibc version switch, right? Or, for example, we switch hardware, I don't know, like something like big, big changes. Major version upgrade. Right, or maybe we try to enable data checksums. Maybe also this is one of the... Yeah. It's generally possible with rolling upgrade approach when you just change it on one replica and then another and then like, mm -hmm. like you know, rolling upgrade. But maybe this idea of blue-green, which came from stateless part of systems. Uh, originally, this idea was avoiding the topic of databases, but we will discuss it. So, uh, this is big class of changes, which usually is performed by infrastructure teams and it's not very often, right? few times yeah, per right. year usually, right? Versus a different, very different category of problem, which is changing our application code maybe several times per day, trying to react to the market needs and our competitors' changes, trying to move forward, like go-to-market strategy and so on. So continuous deployment, schema changes, various stuff. So obviously, interesting that Original idea described by Martin Fowler is about the second thing, schema changes and so on, like application changes, which is done probably not infrastructure team, but engineering team or development team, which is usually bigger in size and they need more often changes, but is each one of those changes is lighter, much more like it's not as heavy as major Postgres upgrade, right? And, but it's done, it's, it's, it, it needs to be done very often. And probably in fully automated fashion, like through CI/CD pipelines, continuous integration approach, right? So we just change it, a lot of automated testing, and we just approve, merge, and it, it's already in production, right? So original idea by, by Martin, Martin Fowler, and I think we need to start discussing it already, right? It's about the second problem for developers. While what the RDS team developed is for infrastructure team and major upgrades, it's a very different class of 
tasks to solve, right? Do you agree? Yeah, I do. And I, I probably jump in the gun a little bit here, but I feel like they might be slightly misusing the phrase blue green deployments for this, for the description of this feature. And I, I really like this feature. If I was on RDS, I think I would use it, especially for major version upgrades. I think it makes that process really simple and lower downtime than most other options smaller database users have. But yeah, I completely agree that this is not at all appropriate for application teams wanting to roll out new features, add a column to a table, add an index. It just doesn't make sense. Because Logical doesn't support DDL replication yet, right? That's, yeah. that's why this is like stop, full stop, hard <laughs> stop. Oh, and even if it did, I think the the way that this is done wouldn't be appropriate. Here I would argue with you, but let's do it later. Right? Okay, cool. Just, just let, let make a mark that I have, uh, I have multiple opinions here, no final opinion. So I have different thoughts. Let, let, let's discuss it slightly later. So... Okay, let's talk about the original idea, Blue Green. First of all, why such weird naming, which reminds me red, red, black trees from the algorithm and structure from computer science, basically. Binary trees, the next idea is red, black trees, and so on. So why, why, why this name? You, 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 you've read about it, right? Yeah, I saw in a, an old Martin Fowler blog post that I'll link up that they they had i i suspect i didn't actually look at the timelines but i suspect it was back from when they were consulting i think probably at thoughtworks that seems to be where a lot of these things have come from and they had some difficult to convince clients that they wanted to increase the deployment frequency uh, but people were scared of risk as always and they had this idea that well, we, I mean, it's it's kind of standard now, but I guess back in the day it wasn't as standard that staging needed to be as close to production as possible so that you could do some testing in it and deploy the change to production in as, as risk-free a manner as possible. And then they, that, they took that a bit further and said, well, what if staging was production, but with the only the change we wanted to make uh, different? And instead of making that change on production, we instead switched traffic to the... Uh, what we would previously have called the staging environment. And they they talked about naming for this. I don't even know what you'd call it, but methodology, I guess. And they thought about calling it AB deployments, which makes a lot of sense, but they well, didn't want to. AB a- a- means we split uh, our traffic, maybe only read-only traffic in the case of databases. And uh, we compare uh, to... to paths right for this traffic and well the main objection Mark that here. martin the main objection martin had with that naming is it uh, they were scared the client would feel that there's a hierarchy there and if we talked about uh, deploy if we talked about there being a problem and we were on the b instance instead of the a instance the question is why were you on the b one when the a was available and i think that's I, i'm not sure i think you're quite right that a b testing might have already been a loaded term at the time but it also is a good counter example where most people understand that in an A-B test, we're not assuming the, in a hierarchy between A and B. Right. But also the approach, uh, this approach says it will be this, the second cluster, like secondary cluster, which follows, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, databases only, right? Let's, let's switch, like since we discuss 
Martin Fowler's ideas, mm -hmm. we should talk only about stateless parts of our system and the database we should touch only a little, right? So, okay, stateless. Uh, for example, we have a lot of application nodes and uh, some of them are our production. Some other are not production. And what I'm trying to say, it's not only about hierarchy and which is like higher, of course. So, yeah, by the way, it's, I remember it's a similar name. Okay, I, I'm a database guy. I remember if, if you give host name primary to your primary, but you, after failover, you don't switch names, it's, it's a stupid idea because <laughs> replica now has, has host name primary. It's similar here, right? So we need, yeah. we need some, dis, we need this distinguish, but not to permanently say this is the main one because we want them interchangeable, uh, symmetric. Right, so we switch there when they switch back, back and forth, and uh, always one of parts of the like one cluster is or one set of nodes is our our real production, and another is considered as like a kind of powerful staging, right? But key questions not only about on, only about uh, hierarchy, but how exactly is testing done? In one case. We can consider, okay, if this is our staging and we send only test workload there, which is, is done, for example, from our QA test sets from, from pipelines, or we consider this secondary cluster, secondary node set as a part of production and put like, for example, 1% of whole traffic there. This is very different testing strategies, right? So two different strategies. I, I think in, in original ideas, it was like it's staging. All production traffic goes to main node set, blue or green, depending on current state. And uh, that's it, right? So it, we cannot say it's AB because in AB, we need to split 50-50 or 20-80 and then compare. Yeah, you know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I like in in marketing, I've heard people talk about A/B testing, which is concurrently testing two things at the same time, and exactly. then sometimes they they call what this might be is cohort testing. They say we're going to test this month. Uh, the timelines would be different, but if you wanted to test, if you wanted to to switch from blue to green in one go and send all traffic to the new one, that would be considered. It's not. A B because it's not concurrent, but you you might say this okay. cohort is going to this new one. I, this cohort, I would say that they are both A B in my opinion because they are okay. both uh, use production traffic to test. So this is exactly by the way the idea we can switch there for one hour, then switch back, and then during next week study the results. For example, right? It's it makes sense to me. Or next hour, I don't know. I don't really care if it's like concurrent or sequential, but. The idea is we use production real traffic. It's a very powerful idea. Not only data or not only applications, application nodes are configured exactly like on production because they are production sometimes, right? We, we switch them. But also we use real traffic to test. I think original idea was we don't do it. The, this secondary node set is used for lower environment. It's still production data, right? Or production. It talks to production database but we generate traffic ourselves uh, like special special traffic special workloads uh, under control this is the idea the original idea like we do with staging 
But we know think, it's, this is our final testing. It's very powerful. It uses the same database, first of all. So, so we should be careful not to send emails, not to call external APIs, and also to convince various auditors that it's fine. Because they always say, if you do production testing, maybe it's not a good idea. Like, who knows? So, but uh, it's very powerful testing, right? But it's not done with production workloads. Yeah, interesting. And have you heard the phrase testing in production? That This feels yeah. like a, uh, it's like a... Times. I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. But I like it. it actually, yeah. yeah. Well, it kind of feels like that partly when we're switching over as well, because as much as des- testing as we've possibly done, most of us with a bit of experience know that as you can do all the testing in the world and production's just different. Like real users right. are just different. They will use it or uh, break it in ways you didn't imagine or have access patterns you just didn't exactly. imagine. So we kind of are testing. And I think that's one of the big promises of blue green deployments in the theoretical, or at least in the, in the stateless Not world. St- sta- is stateless you can, green. Let's, let's yeah. introduce this term, stateless green. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that you can switch back if there's a problem. That feels to me like a real core premise uh, and why it's so valuable is if something goes wrong, if you notice an issue really quickly, you can go back to the previous one. It's still alive and uh, there are no uh, ill effects of moving backwards. And I think that's a tricky concept in the database world, but we can, we can get to that later. Yes, and this is exactly, let, let's continue with this. I think we already covered the most, the major parts of the original mm-hmm. idea of stateless idea. We can switch to stateful ideas. And this is the first part where uh, the RDS uh, blue-green deployments implementation radically differs from the original stateless ideas. I I noticed that from the very beginning of reading the article, they say, this is our blue, this is our green. And like they distinguish them. Yeah. It's it's different approach. It's not what uh, Martin Fowler talked to. Very different. So... And obviously, like reading from this article, obviously the reverse replication is not supported, but it could be supported. It's possible, and actually we already implemented it a couple of times, and uh, I hope soon we will have good materials to be shared. But in general, you just, why not create, when you perform switchover, why not create a reverse replication and consider old cluster as a kind of staging now, not losing anything. And without this idea, it's one-way ticket, and this is not an enterprise solution, sorry. It's plain simple, well, it's, it's not an enterprise solution. It's definitely not, well, it's not blue-green either, <laughs> I don't think. Right. right. Um, but you're, it's an interesting point about scale. So if I'm just a small business with a small database and I'm doing a major version upgrade and I want to be able to go backwards, it would be tricky to do with this, I think. Yeah, so uh, it's not tricky. It's tricky if you wa- if you don't want data loss. You can go back, right? But you lose a lot of rights. <laughs> so well, but I can't do. Let's say if it's not a major version upgrade, if it's something like maybe changing a c- configuration parameter, I could do uh, what Amazon are calling blue to green. Change the parameter in the green one, sw- switch to it, and then I can do it the, the same process again, switching it back. But you lose data. New rights will be not replicated backwards. No, not back. So, so let's say I go blue to green, change the parameter on green, switch over. Now I've realized there's a problem, and I want to I set up a new one, 
a new green, <laughs> as they call it, oh. uh, and switch again. Well, then, like, then, well, okay, okay. In this case, we deal with very basic example, which probably like uh, does require so heavy solution to it because. Uh, uh, like depending on which parameter you want to test, uh, maybe you should just test it on one of replicas. Maybe you should just test it on the same uh, Postgres, uh, just minimizing downtime when you restart. It, it would be easier to just do that because, especially because the second consideration uh, reading this article is that downtime is not zero. Yeah. That's a big so the start is not zero, and here is also not zero. I, I I don't remember if they mentioned they issue checkpoint to minimize downtime. I think no. In right? fact, that alone is probably enough for in your books to be to say it's not enterprise ready, right? And the, and to their credit, they well, do say it. They they do say low downtime switchover, right? They right. Don't, they're not trying to claim that it is right. If if we say that, if we if this is this is our characteristic. It's not zero downtime. It means that uh, this solution competes with uh, regular uh, restarts. That's it. <laughs> so why why should I need this to try to switch to different parameter? I can do it just with restarts, right? And not losing data, not paying for extra machines, and so on. So, but for major upgrades, it's a different story. You cannot downgrade. Unfortunately, there is no PG downgrade yeah. tool. Uh, exactly. Yet. So you need, uh, like, you ju you just need to use reverse logical replication and orchestrate it properly, and it's possible hundred percent. And th this would mean, but not through Amazon it, right now. Like, it's yeah, not, it's not implemented, yeah. but it's it's solvable, <laughs> and I think everyone can implement it. It's not easy. I know a lot of details. It's not easy, but it's definitely uh, doable. So, what what were the tricky parts? Tricky parts are like if you need to deal with. Uh, we had a whole episode about logical, right? Yeah. So tricky part, the main tricky part is always not only like sequ sequences or DDL replication. It's very very well known the limitations of current logical replication. Hopefully they will be solved. There is good work in progress for both problems. There are a few additional problems which are observed not in every cluster, but uh, these usually observed in any cluster because everyone uses sequences mm -hmm. even if they use uh, this new like syntax uh, generated identity always like i don't remember i still use B generated serial. always as identity i think yes yes but uh, uh, behind the scene it's also sequences actually and everyone is uh, like usually doing schema changes so these two problems are big limitations of current uh, logical replication but the most tricky, the trickiest parts are performance and legs. Uh, so two capacity limitations on both sides. On publisher, it's a wall sender. Like, like we discussed it, right? So yeah, we can link up that episode. Yes, yes. So wall sender limitation and logical replication worker limitation, and uh, you can have multiple logical replication workers. And interesting that this is like actually says that that article needs some polishing because they say Max logical application worker like I'm reading Max logical application worker and I don't see S because it's plural the setting and I'm saying hmm in inaccuracy here and then the whole sentence is saying when you have a lot of tables in database like this needs to be higher and I'm thinking oh do you actually 
use multiple publications and multiple slots if I have a lot of tables automatically. This is super interesting because if you do, as we discussed in our logical yeah. application episode, you have big issues with foreign key violation on the logical replica side, right? On, on subscriber side, because by default, foreign key is, is not followed when replicating tables using multiple poop soup streams, right? And this is a huge problem if you want to use such replica for some testing, even if it's not production traffic. You will see, like, okay, this row exists, but depending row is not it's not created yet. Foreign key violated. And it's normal for logical replica, which is replicated by multiple slots and subs- publication subscriptions. So not discussing this problem means that probably there are limitations also at large scale if you have if you have a lot of tables, it's not a problem, actually. The biggest problem is uh, how many tuple writes you have per second. This okay. is the biggest problem. Roughly like thousand or a couple of thousands of tuple writes on modern hardware with a lot of vCPUs, like 64, 128 or 96. I'm talking Intel numbers, usual Intel numbers. Uh, you will see... Uh, single logical replication worker will hit 100% CPU. And that's nasty problem. That's a huge problem. Because you switch to multiple workers, but now your foreign keys are broken. It's hard to solve problem for testing. So, I mean, if you use multiple, you need to pause sometimes to wait until consistency is reached and then test in frozen mode. This is okay. But it, it, it adds complexity. But if your traffic, if your traffic below like thousand tuple per second, roughly, depending also, is it Intel? But by the way, it doesn't matter how many cores, because we, I talk here about limitation of single core. It, it matters only like, is it modern core or quite outdated on, on the family? It depends if you talk about AWS on the family of EC2 instances you, you try to use or RDS instances you try to use. So this single core limitation on the subscriber side is quite interesting. But if you have below 1,000 tuple per second writes, inserts, updates, deletes, probably you're fine. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, interesting to check. And this lagging is, the, the, I think, the biggest problem. Because when you switch over, you need to catch up. When you install a reverse logical replication, you also need to make sure you catch up. and this defines the downtime, actually. Yeah, because we can't switch back until we can't switch or switch back until we've, the other one has caught up. Right, because we prioritize we prioritize uh, avoidance of data loss over HA here, over yeah. high availability here. And I, I, I'm sure since RDS, the RDS blog post talks about you know, like it's not zero downtime, they have additional overhead. But if you have, for example, PG browser and uh, you are going to use pause resume to achieve real zero downtime, down then you need uh, the lag to be close to zero. And uh, the limitations of logical application worker will be number one problem. Another problem in lo- long running transactions, which until Postgres 16, I think, right, cannot be paralyzed and like, or 15. So if you have long transaction, you have big logical replication lag so you need to wait <laughs> wait until you have good opportunity to like to switch over with lower downtime 
that's one thing I think I do want to give them some credit for. This does catch some of those. So, for example, if it does, if you do have long running transactions, they'll prevent you from switching over. Equally, there's a few other cases where they'll stop you from causing yourself issues, which is is quite nice. And I, I wanted to give a shout out to the like Postgres core team and everybody working on features to improve logical replication has enabled cloud providers to start to provide features like this. And that's really cool. It's This feels like the, the good features yeah. going into Postgres core are enabling cloud providers to, to work at the level they should be working at to add additional functionality. So it's quite a cool, like, uh, success, not necessarily that we're there yet. And as logical replication improves, so can this improve, but they are checking for things like long running transactions, which is cool. Yeah. And definitely Amit Kapil and others who work on logical replication, kudos to them, 100%. And also RDS team, I'm, I'm criticizing a lot, but you know, like, it's hard to criticize someone who is doing nothing, right? You cannot criticize such guys who do not, don't do anything. So the fact that they move in this direction is super cool. A lot of problems, right? But these problems are solvable, right? And eventually we might have a real blue, like like the question, is blue green, the blue-green deployment terminology going to stay in the area of databases and Postgres ecosystem in particular? What do you think? Because this is a sign that probably yes. It should be Reworked a lot, I think, but in general, maybe yes. What do you think? I'd, yeah, I don't know. Uh, obviously, predicting the future is difficult, but I do think that badly naming things in the early days makes it less likely. Like calling this blue green when it's not actually, I think, reduces people's trust in u- using blue green later in the future when when it is more like that. Mm-hmm. But you, you've got more experience with this than me. In the, for example, in the category of database branching, like taking these developer terms that people have a lot of prior uh, assumptions about, and then using them in a database context that they don't a hundred percent apply to, or they're much more difficult in, I think is is dangerous. But equally, what choice do we have? Like, how how else would you describe this kind of? thing like is there maybe it's a marketing thing i'm not sure that's cool direction of thinking so let me show you some analogy analogy uh, until some time not not many years ago i thought as many others that uh, changing something we need to perform full-fledged benchmarking like for example if we drop some index we need to check that all our queries uh, are okay in this case, okay, we like we can do it with PGBench, SysBench, JMeter, anything like we, or simulate workload with our own application using multiple application nodes. A lot of sessions like running like fifty percent CPU, and we, and this is just to test an attempt to drop index. It's, it sounds overkill. Like, I mean, nobody is doing it actually because it's too expensive. But people think in this direction, like we would, it would be good to test holistically. But actually, there is another approach, lean benchmarking, single session, explain analyze buffers, focus on buffers, IO, and so on. Similar here. And, and first class of testing is needed for an infra tasks, mostly upgrades and so on, to compare the whole system, uh, lock manager, buffer pool behavior, everything, file system, disk, everything. But it's needed only, as I said, like once 
per quarter, for example. Of course, for every cluster, if you have thousands of clusters, you need it almost daily, I think, right? To run such benchmarks. And similar, these up upgrades, major upgrades and so on. These tasks uh, go together usually. You need upgrades, so you need to do benchmark. But for small schema changes, you do it every day, multiple times, maybe. Okay, once per week, maybe, depending on the project. You release often. You develop your application quickly. You don't need full-fledged benchmarks, and you also probably don't need full-fledged blue-green deployments, right? But maybe you need... I don't know. Maybe you need uh, still need it. It's, this is where I said I have open-ended questions like what should we use for better testing? Because I could, like, if we are okay to pay two times more, we could have two clusters with uh, one-way replication, but when we switch, perform switchover, zero downtime switchover, immediately we set up reverse application. So real blue-green approach. In this case, probably we could use them for DDL as well. Of course, DDL should be solved, but we can solve it uh, applying DDL manually on both sides, actually. This unblocks logical replication. So we like we, we just need to control DDL additionally, not just alter. We need alter there and alter here. In this case, probably it would be a great tool to test everything and then if we go, like if we diverge, slightly diverge from blue-green deployments idea, but use a B testing idea, so we point like 1% of traffic to this cluster, read-only traffic only. I'm not going to work with like active-active schema, uh, like multi-master, no, no, no. So when we can, then we can test at least read-only traffic for change schema. But again, the, there will be problem with schema replication because logical replication is going to be blocked. We cannot. We need to deploy uh, the schema change on both. Uh, it's not only about uh, the lack of logical replication of DDL. It's also about even if DDL would be also replicated, if you deploy it only on one side, it don't deploy on another side. Logical replication is not working, or it replicates it right. So I'm not quite sure. Oh, actually, we can drop index on the subscriber, or we can add a column on subscriber, it, and the logical application will be still working. But some certain cases of DDL will be hard to test in this approach. But still, imagine such approach. It will be full-fledged blue-green deployment with simple, like symmetric schema, simple switch back and forth, reliable. I, I don't know, like maybe it's a good way to handle all changes in in general. We just paid two times more, but for some people it's fine if if the costs of error and risks are uh, costs of problems are higher than this. What do you think? Yeah, this is a tricky one. I uh, first company, the first database related company I worked for, did a lot of work in the schema change management tooling area uh, not for postgres but for other databases and it gets really complicated fast just trying to manage versions between like just trying to manage deployments to, between versions of maintaining data and the concept of rolling back is a really strange one like if going if going backwards Let's say you've deployed a, a simple change. You've added a column for a new feature. You've gathered some data. Does rolling back, like 
maybe temporarily involve dropping that column? I, I don't think so, because then you destroy that data. But then it's now in the old version as well. And there's this weird third version. I that I often talked about in, in the past rolling forwards rather than rolling back. And I think that's gained quite a lot of uh, steam in the past few years. The idea that you can't, re- like with data, can you actually roll back? Because do you really want to drop that data? Yeah, you know, dro- dropping column doesn't uh, remove data, you know it, right? Because that's why it's fast. <laughs> but it's not a story. Well, this approach with reshape and now how this new tool is, new tool is called to handle DDL in the reshape model. When it's similar to what plan scale does with MySQL, the whole table is uh, uh, recreated additionally. So you need two, time more, two times more storage. And we have a view which masks this machinery, right? And then uh, we like in chunks, we just update something. There you can have ability to roll back. Right, because it's this, maintaining it in both places. Because you, for some period of time, you have both versions yeah. working and synchronized on, inside one cluster. But this the price is quite high, and uh, views have limitations, right? But here, if we talk about like we're replicating whole cluster, or oh, the price is even higher. Yeah, so, and the complexity is even higher. I think, of course, yes. Managing definitely. it within one database feels complex. To, it's called Pidgerol. Oh, nice. A, a new tool which uh, is a further development of that idea of uh, the reshape tool. So, cool. which is not developed as, as I know because the the creator of that tool, reshape, uh, went to work into some high, bigger company, not Postgres user. So, unfortunately. So, uh, I don't know. Like, the problem exists. People want to simplify schema changes and uh, be able to revert them easily. And right now we do it hard, I mean, hard in, in terms of physical implementation way. I mean, we, if we say revert, we definitely revert. But dropping, dropping column is are usually considered as non-revertable step. And it's, usually it's quite known. When, like, people usually design in larger projects, they usually design so, like, first application stops using the column, and a like, month later you drop it, and then already you know so it's I'm not a- needed. I'm actually talking about adding a column, which is way more common. I'm talking about adding a column because if you need to support rolling back, that becomes dropping a column. Okay, well, so what's the problem? Data loss if you do rollback or what? Yeah. Oh, you you, you want to uh, move forth, then back, then forth again without data loss? Possibly. You, you, you want too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so, the, so the, I think that's like we talked about blue green deployments, right? Let's say part of what you're doing is rolling out a new feature and so you roll it out for a few hours and some of your customers start using that feature but then there's a major it's causing a major issue in the rest of your system so you want to roll back does That's... does that use of that feature are we willing to to scrap those users work while we like in order to fix the rest of the system i think people would want to retain that data yeah well let's let's discuss it in detail first of all on subscriber we can add a column if it has default, logical replication won't be 
broken because it will be just inserting, updating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, we have extra columns, so what? Not, not a problem, right? But when we switch forth in uh, setup of reverse replication will be hard because we have now extra columns, so and our old cluster doesn't have it. So we cannot replicate this table. Uh, in unless we logic, replicate DDL, which if we start replicating DDL backwards, then we're kind of reverting to our existing state, right? Right. Which is strange. This is one option. Yes, and another option is to. I know there is an ability to fill the rows and columns, I guess, right? So you can replicate only specific columns, right? I yep. never did, did, did it myself, but I think... Quite new. Is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you replicate only a limited set of columns, you're fine. But in this case, uh, moving forth again, will like you, you lose this data. And it's similar to what you do with Flyway, Sketch, Liquibase, or Redis migrations. Usually you define up and down or like... House upgrade, downgrade steps. In this case, you create column, alter table, add column, then alter table, drop column. And if you go, if you went back, of course you lost data which was inserted already, and it's considered normal actually usually. Like well, yeah. So, but that's that's my background as well. Is that pe- people often wouldn't end up actually using the rollback scripts. What they would do is roll forwards. They would oh. end up with an old version of the application, but the column and the data are still there in the, in the, with the database. You talk about people who closely, like you, you talk about companies who are both developers and users of this system. But if you imagine some system which is developed and like, for example, installed in many places, mm-hmm. some software, they definitely sure. need a downgrade procedure to be automated, even with that data loss, because it's more important usually to like fix system and make it alive again. And peop- users in this case not necessarily understand details because they are not developers. And it's okay to lose this data and downgrade, but make system healthy again, right? In this case, we like in this case we are okay with this data loss. Well, yeah, but I, I guess going back to the original topic, I, you asked, do we, do I think blue green deployments will take on, take off in database, database world? And I think it's the switching back that's tricky, but I don't want to diminish this work that's been done here, regardless of what we call it, because I think it will make more people able to do major version upgrades specifically with less downtime than previously they would have been able to, even, even though it will still be a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we, sh- we need to develop the idea further and uh, consider this blue-green uh, concept as some like intermediate. Like it reminds me, uh, uh, it reminds me red-black trees, right? In like binary tree, like red-black tree, then AVL tree and so on. Like, and then finally B tree. And this is like development of the, uh, like indexing also uh, approaches, uh, algorithms and data structures. So maybe like closer to self-balancing than a lot of children for each node. Maybe here also, like it's very distant analogy, of course, because uh, we talk about architectures here, but maybe these blue-green deployments or green-blue deployments, I think we should start mixing this yeah, <laughs> to, to, to emphasize that they are balanced, right, and symmetric, um, and uh, also like say 
tell RDS guys that it's not fair to consider one of them as always source and another is always target. We need to balance them. So uh, I think there should be some new concepts also developed. So it's interesting to me. I don't know how like how the future will be will look like. Also, let it, let me tell you a story about naming. In our systems we developed, we chose like we know like master slave in the past and primary uh, secondary or primary standby official Postgres documentation follows this terminology right now. Writer writer reader in uh, Aurora terminology. Also leader follower Patroni terminology. Then logical application terminology publisher subscriber. Here we have blue green, right? In our development, we chose source target clusters. And it was definitely fine in everywhere, in monitoring and all testing, like everyone understands this is our source cluster, this is our target cluster. But then we implemented reverse logical replication to support moving back. And mm -hmm. it was like source target clusters naming showed it's the wrong idea immediately, right? So I started to think in our particular case, we do it like we set up these clusters temporarily. It might be temporarily mean, might mean multiple days, but not persistent, not forever. In original blue green deployment, as I understand Fowler, if I understand correctly, it's forever, right? We just this is production, this is staging, then we switch. So I I chose the na new naming is old cluster, new cluster, right? But if it's persistent, it's also bad naming. Yeah, maybe blue green is is okay, green blue blue green, but uh, definitely, yeah. Why don't you use the Excel uh, naming convention with the final final v two at the end? This is the <laughs> final server. This is the final final server. So naming is hard, we know it, right? Yeah. yeah, wonderful. I think that's okay. Good it was today. good. I, I I enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, everybody, and catch you next week. Yeah. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Share is the most important, I think, or like is the most important. What is it? Like, we don't I think see comments, comments are the most important to me anyway. Like, let us know what you comments. think in, the, in YouTube comments, maybe, or on Twitter, or on, or on Mastodon. You know, I wanted to take a moment and uh, emphasize that uh, our we continue working on subtitles. Subtitles, they are great. They are high quality. Yesterday, I asked in a Russian-speaking Telegram channel where 11,000 people talk about Postgres, I asked them if uh, to check YouTube because we have good quality English subtitles. We, they understand terms. We have 240 terms in our glossary. We feed our like AI-based pipeline to generate subtitles. And I wanted to say thank you to my son who is helping with this, actually. Uh, who is uh, still like teenager school, but uh, also learning Python and so on. So YouTube provides automated generation to any language. So it, to me, the most important is sharing because this delivers our content to more people. And if those people cannot understand English very well, especially with two very weird accents, or British yeah, and Russian. Yeah, sorry about right? that. But, yes. So it's good to just on YouTube to switch to automated generated subtitles in any language and uh, people say it's quite good and understandable. So Great. share and tell them that even if they don't understand English, they can consume this content. And then maybe if they have ideas, they can write us. Perfect. This is, this is the way, right? Thank you so much. Bye-bye.